close on our series, The Good Work. We've been several weeks now in The Good Work, and today is part five. We're going to just wrap it up, put a bow on, on this. And I, I um, want to start today's message with reminding you of a scripture that we talked about before. And before I jump into that, I believe we may have some middle schoolers here today. I'm not sure. But we're going to dismiss middle school students to go with our intern, Kelly, who's with us all year. We're glad to have Kelly here with us. Uh, not because she has a cool name, uh, but because she's also going to be here to care for our, our staff um, and our students. And so thank you, Kelly, for leading our middle school students today. Last week, I challenged you with a verse that I want to bring back today, and that's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Because some of you are like, Kelly, this is a great series on the good work. I'm sure somebody's being blessed, but I don't know if I've got one. So let me just bring you back to Ephesians, because all of us are under the demand of this passage. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, what Paul uses here is a very important word. We. We are God's handiwork. He didn't say one out of five of you are God's handiwork. He didn't say, I am God's handiwork created to do. He said, we. And when he used that word, he kind of meant we all, all right? And so you all are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. The two greatest days of our lives are the day we're born and the day we discover why we were born. You know, there is a reason God has you here. You're not an accident. There is a purpose for which you are here. And it's not just to live some kind of treadmill life here. He has a purpose, something for us to do. Sometimes it might be every day. Sometimes it might be a specific good work. But he has called us to do good works. And he has a good work for you to do right now, right where you are, to help make a difference in the life of somebody for all of eternity. That's what we've been talking about. We look at the life of Nehemiah and the good work God had for him to do. And I think that Labor Day weekend is a good weekend to finish this series. Because Labor Day, for those of you who don't recall history, Labor Day was a day that was set aside because at that point in time, people worked seven days a week. They just kept working. It was the kind of a high industrial age. A lot of things were happening, a lot of factory and mill work. We had kids teenagers, adults, all working. And so they decided to have a day that the workers would have off. And they would honor this day called Labor Day to honor those who were the workers behind the American, basically, uh, industrial revolution and behind this great amount of work that we do. So it was a day to honor the workforce of America by giving them a day off. Now, some of you hopefully have a day off tomorrow. If you have to work, you might remind your employment office, um, this is Labor Day. And the reason we have this Labor Day is to appreciate the work of the laborers, right? Well, just like Labor Day has been set aside to appreciate the laboring force of America, there's a day coming, friends, when the Lord himself will appreciate and honor and recognize the work that we have done. So not only do we have a good work that he has called for us to do, he's prepared in advance for you to do, but you know what? You're also accountable for that good work. 
Let me show you some passages very quickly. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, Jesus says this, For the Son of Man, that's addressing himself, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Not according to what they wished they had done. Not according to what they thought would be a good idea to do someday but according to what they have done. That seems to include a finished work, a completed work, something that we will stand accountable for. Paul picks that up in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. He says this. In fact, this is the same book we find you were created to do a good work, right? A little bit later in in that book, he says in Ephesians 6, verse 7, serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So we have a work to do wholeheartedly because we will be rewarded. Revelation twenty-two twelve, the very end of the, bu- of, of the book, Jesus himself says these words, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. So the Lord has a good work for you to do, and we are actually accountable before Him for that good work. Now, lest you start losing heart, let me help uh, give some good news here. Do you realize that the same Lord that you're going to stand accountable for, for the good work that He's called you to do, is the same Lord that actually will work in you and through you and for you to accomplish what he wants to do in your life. So he doesn't just have some high demand and say, look, you better do good out there, but he actually is there working with us and in us and through us. He is the power behind the good work that he's calling for us to do. I think that's so cool that we're accountable to God, yes, to do good, but he's going to be with us to give us the strength, the energy, the power that we need to continue on doing the good for him. So we're going to talk today about the power behind the good work. The power. You're not doing this alone. There's power behind that good work. And we've been looking at a guy named Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah, which you might want to take a moment and find your way in your Bible, or you can use your smart device. And if you are using the Bible app, you of course know that if you go to the menu in the Bible app and go to events, that you will find us there Um, as Neighborhood Church, and our notes are right in there for you as well. But in Nehemiah, we see the story of a man named Nehemiah who at that point in time was a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. He was a servant to the king of Persia, who at that point was the world power. Persia had control, or their empire reached all the way down into Jerusalem, the large, vast empire. And he was serving the king, and he heard one day that his hometown, Jerusalem, a thousand miles away, was still without a defensive wall around it. Even though people had been sent back to rebuild the temple and kind of restore Jerusalem, the work had stopped and nothing was happening, and he became downhearted on what was happening in his hometown. He had a burden to see something different. And so he takes that burden before the Lord, and he prays, and he seeks God, and he asks for God's favor to do something about it. 
And we all know that the good work God has for you will often start as a burden, something he puts in your heart that makes you want to say, somebody ought to do something about this. And maybe that somebody is actually you. And so he prayed, he sought God, recognized that this was a good work that he was to lead, so he prayed for God's favor. The king of Persia not only allowed Nehemiah to leave and return to Jerusalem, but also gave him all that he would need to rebuild the work. He gave him permission to get into the king's forest, to receive the lumber that he would need to do the work. When he gets down to Jerusalem, having safe passage as well from the king's army, he returns to Jerusalem, he finds the people not working, he stirs up the crowd and says, hey, we've got a good work to do, and the Lord is with us. And he mobilizes the people, and they begin to all work together. And the wall is rebuilt. Even in the face of enemies like Sanballat and Tobiah, who try to discourage them from their work, or distract them from their work, the good work continues because Nehemiah was putting his trust in the Lord. In fact, when you look at the book of Nehemiah, you will see him acknowledging frequently where his power and where his help comes from. We're going to look at it kind of quickly, but in, uh, the first point I want to bring up out of this is that you're not alone in your good work. The good work God has for you, you're not alone in that good work, that the Lord works with you. This is important to hear because some of you, you want to do a good work, but you feel like, I can't do this alone. Well, you're not because the Lord is actually going to be with you. All right, so in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, we're going to begin to see how Nehemiah continues to see the presence of God at work in and through him. So Nehemiah 1, 11, Lord, let your ear be attentive. This is after he had heard the burden, what was happening. It was going to, about to go to the king and ask for permission. He says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. So we see where his trust is. It's in the Lord, the one who works in him. Nehemiah 2, 8. The story moves forward as he is uh, with the king. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So my God was with me. He gave me success. Moving on into Nehemiah 2.17. Then I said to them, this was the people, the thems were the ones back in Jerusalem that he was trying to rally to do the good work. I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. Let us do this good work. And so why? Because the Lord was with them, working in and through them. Nehemiah 4 Actually, let's go to Nehemiah 2, verse 20, just a couple of verses later. I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. So there were a few naysayers that kind of came against Nehemiah. So we, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, the ones that were negative, you will have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Now fast forward to Nehemiah 4, 14. This is when the enemy began to arise up against them, Sanballat and Tobiah. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, so God was at work through that, 
We all return to the wall, each to our own work. And then finally, today's passage, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15, where we left off last week. So the wall was completed on the 25th day, or the 25th of Elul, in 52 days. When all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done. How? With the help of our God. It wasn't their own strength, it wasn't their own craftiness, it wasn't Nehemiah's own wisdom, but God was at work through them. So you never get the idea that Nehemiah felt like he was all that, that everything that was happening was because of him and his hard work and his smartness and his ingenuity and his craftiness. He was careful to continue to give credit to where credit was due. The Lord was the power at work behind the good work, and it was done in record speed, 52 days. Now, friends, that might not sound like much to us today when we think about having power tools and heavy equipment and machinery that could move those rocks, but that was a pretty big deal. But here's what's cool about this. I love the fact that in Nehemiah, we see a great work accomplished, God working through them, but we don't see a single supernatural thing, so to speak. For example, we don't see angels being dispatched from heaven to do all the work. We don't see Nehemiah snapping his finger and and stones being returned to their right location on the wall. We don't see him holding a rod over the walls and all of a sudden the stones roll back into place and, and take their place. What we see is God mobilizing a people behind a vision to do the good work and the Lord was working in them and through them as they worked. See, God expects us to do something Right? We can't just sit back and expect all the good work to happen. He expects us to do something, but the good news is he also does not expect us to do it all on our own. And so through the story of Nehemiah, we see people who worked together to accomplish the good work. And Nehemiah all along knew where his help came from. Which brings us to the next point, that doing a good work is only possible through the Lord's power at work within you. You want to do a good work, but guess what? It's only possible, that kind of good work is only possible when the Lord is working through you. The Lord's power is working through you. Look at Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, we love that part of the verse, but look at this next part. According to his power that is at work within us. Friends, we're a conduit of God's power as we work and step into his plan and purpose for our life every day. God works through us to do his good work. Colossians 1.29, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works where? In me. The good work God wants you to do, he doesn't expect you to do it on your own strength. He is the energy and the power at work within each one of us. Now, I I love this parallel story to Nehemiah. There's a book called Ezra that's right before Nehemiah. And it's a a contemporary story of Nehemiah because Ezra was the one sent ahead of time to rebuild the temple. 
And so some of the remnant were sent with Ezra, and they were to go and rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. The king of Persia decided to rebuild the temple to God, the God of the universe, and so they were dispatched and sent down there. And the work began. But because of the hardship, because of the hard work, because of the enemy around them, the work stopped. There was a prophet who was a contemporary of Ezra. His name was Zechariah. I know when you look at the Bible, sometimes all you see are books, chapters, but let me help you connect the dots. So Ezra and Zechariah, the prophet, were contemporaries. And Zechariah was commissioned by God to speak at the time in which the rebuilding of that temple was supposed to happen. And the work stopped, and God paid attention to what was happening. God saw that the work stopped, and he speaks through the prophet Zechariah these words, and I don't have them on the screen for you, but it goes like this. You've heard them, I'm sure, Zechariah 4, 6. This is the word of the Lord, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord Almighty. In other words, the people who were there to rebuild the temple saw the work. It was too big. They saw the enemy. It was too impossible. So they looked at their own abilities, and they said, we can't do it. But the Lord said, it's not in your human resource. It's not by might. It's not by your power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And with that command from the prophet, the work began to resume under God's power and authority. God's work done God's way will never lack God's power. Let me say it again. God's work done God's way will never lack God's power. I have here with me some work gloves. Maybe you have something similar to these at your house. I bought these and I thought about returning them because when I got these gloves back to my house, they didn't do any work. You know, they're called work gloves. Bought them, took them to the house, right? They did nothing. It's because we're all smart enough to know that work gloves don't work by themselves. They need something. They need a power at work within them. Now, if you try to do certain work without work gloves, it's a pain, literally, right? You get blisters, you get slivers, it's terrible. So these work gloves are called work gloves because they're meant to be put on and controlled by and manipulated by a power that will do the work. And so once you put on the work gloves, they become actual useful and they begin to do a good work. Now, this is much like us. We're like these little gloves. No, you're not leather and fabric, but there is an aspect of this truth that basically says, without his power at work in us, we're kind of like work gloves. We expect to do something great, but unless there is a power source working it, it will do nothing. But instead, we become people who recognize this is the way it goes. You put your hand in the glove, and the glove animates and empowers and utilizes the glove. That is what we're talking about when it comes to the work God does in us. We can do good things, but we need his power at work within us. God's work done God's way will never lack God's power. There's a good work he wants you to do, 
but you need to recognize where your source of power comes from. Which brings us to the next point, that right now, you have all that you need to do the good work. Right now. You have all that you need to do a good work. You're going, no, no, I don't, Kelly. You don't know me. Let me just read a passage to you that tells you you do. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I want you to stop and just look at that verse again. And I want you to count how many times all is in there. Because when a word in Scripture is repeated, it's repeated for a purpose. So you look at this verse, you look at the fact that God is able to bless you abundantly so that in what? All things. When? At all times. And then what's the next piece? Having all that you need. You will abound in what? Good work. But Kelly, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I've got it, what it takes. Lean into this verse that God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll be able to do a good work. Now, how many of you have ever thought about doing a project around the house, and when you stopped to consider what was needed, you recognized you didn't have the proper tools to do it? So you basically said, I'm not going to do it. If I don't have the tools, I'm not going to get frustrated. So you evaluate this wonderful idea based on what you currently have in your tool chest, and you say, no. See, a lot of us, when it comes to the work that we believe God has for us, we sometimes believe that maybe the work that God has for us is to build a house, and all we think we have is a hammer. So if I evaluate the ability to build a house with a hammer, I'm going to look at my hammer and go, no. The work is too big. I can't accomplish this with my hammer. So I'm not going to do it. You know, if I would have stopped the works that I believe God wanted me to do because I looked at my tool chest and all I had was a hammer and I said, nope, I'm not doing it. If I would have stopped right there, I would have missed all the other tools the Lord has provided for me to do the work he wants me to do. You see, what I do is I see a project that needs to happen around the house, or more importantly, my wife sees a project that has to happen around the house, and here's what I do. I pick up the phone. I call my dad. The reason I call my dad is I know what's in his shed, and I know what's in his toolbox, and so I call and say, hey, dad, um, got a project that I've been asked to do, and I need a few things. And I have the tools that I need now to do it. So when God calls you to do a work, some of you are overwhelmed by the size of it and go, there's no way I can do it, Kelly. I, I just, all I have is a hammer. You're right, that's what you have now. But there's a whole entire tool chest you know nothing of that God reaches into and says, oh, at all times, you'll have all things that you need to do the good work. You know what I love about the story of Nehemiah? When he heard the news about the walls of Jerusalem and he felt that burden, you know what's interesting? Is that God did not deliver to him on that same day a big par lumber truck with all the building materials that he would need. 
He didn't. All that he began with was a burden. Think about being Nehemiah, a thousand miles away from Jerusalem, and how big the walls around Jerusalem are, and how big that job would be. Most of us would stop and go, but God, all I have is a hammer. And we would disqualify ourselves from doing the good work. Nehemiah could have done that. He said, but God, I don't have the material. I don't have the people. I don't even have anything. I'm a cupbearer to a king. What I can do is I can hand a king his drink. That's what I can do. But God saw a whole different way. He saw a tool chest that Nehemiah had no idea about. And when Nehemiah began to step in and seek God and pray about that work, then guess what happened? The king gave favor to Nehemiah gave him safe passage all the way to Jerusalem, gave him all the resources he would need to rebuild the work. And when he gets down to Jerusalem, he's not the only laborer. Could you imagine being Nehemiah rebuilding the wall by himself? But no, there are people there. And he mobilizes them. Friends, when we have a work that God is calling us to do, we have what we need to do the work. Because God's not going to call you to do something. Good luck trying to figure it out, buddy. But it's like God is that source that's at work with us when we have the right tool at the right time and the right thing falls in place. Seldom have I ever seen God front load everything a person needs to step into a good work. It usually starts with a burden and seeing a need and saying, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm going to step into it with obedience to say yes. And maybe you don't feel very equipped, but I just want to remind you, God is the one who continues to give all that we need at all times in all things so that we can do the good work he's calling us to do. Which brings me now to this next point. The Lord began the good work in you and will be faithful to complete it through you. I love the fact that Nehemiah stays the main character all the way through this story. The good work was accomplished in Nehemiah, through Nehemiah, and it was done with the strength and help of the Lord who put that burden in his heart to do it and sought to completion in 52 days. I love this verse in Philippians 1. You probably heard it before. But Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is probably more concerned about the completion of that good work than even you are. And so the good news is he gives you the strength and energies at work in you. He gives you all you need at all times and all things, and he will see it to completion. Nehemiah watched as the people gathered together, as God continued to pour his favor upon them and work through them, and in 52 days this great task was done because the God who begins the good work is the same God who brings it to completion in you. He never leaves you midway. So no matter where you are right now in that process, maybe some of you are like, Kelly, I'm not sure what that good work is yet. 
Some of you are like, I'm, I'm doing it. I think I'm stepping into it. Or others are like, I am in thick into it right now, and I'm waiting for that. Here's the good news. He will bring it to completion with you. He's faithful to do that. He doesn't start you on something and go, oh, sorry, you're, gone. you're on your own now. He's faithful to work in you and through you to complete it. Which brings us to the final point, and this is why. Others will realize the good work was done with the help of the Lord. I'm going to bring you back to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. It says, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Now, this is the part I want you to pay attention to. That when all of our enemies heard about this, and the surrounding, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Not only did Nehemiah know God was working in him and through him, but because this work was accomplished, look at what happens to those around them. They realized this was done by the help and grace of God. Here's my question. Who's watching you? Who was surrounding your life? Who's watching to the point where they say, wow, you know what? That was done by God. Who's watching? Maybe it's your kids, your spouse, somebody living near you that you work with. As we stay true to the good work God has for us to do, others will see it. Wow. You know, some of you have gone through difficult things. That was all part of a good work, but it was difficult, and folks watched how you stayed faithful to the Lord through it, and they looked at you and said, wow, I want that kind of faith because it looks to me like God was at work in your life. Others will realize it. See, remember, the good work is not just about you. The good work is always about him and the others that will see what is happening, and they realized it. I love that part of the book of Acts when when these ordinary, everyday disciples of Jesus were ministering in power, it says that, especially about, um, like, Peter, that these were ordinary, unschooled men, but they had been with Jesus. They took note. Something was different about them. There's a lot of do-good stuff you can do in the community, but when you step into a good work, that gives glory to God, others begin to realize it and see it. And they're going to have to recognize who was at work through you. So the good news is you're not alone. Right now you have all that you need. God is at work in you and through you to do this good work. And some people might be going, but Kelly, what is it? What is the good work God wants me to do? Here's my challenge. One, start tomorrow by doing one right thing. Maybe it's the way that you speak to your kids or address your kids or your spouse. Or maybe it's the way you treat your boss. It may not be the good work, so to speak, but it might be something that you know you need to do that makes a difference. Start with the ordinary stuff. Secondly, there's a class coming up at the end of this month. Find your place class. Mark it on your calendar. This is going to be at noon on the last Sunday of this month. I think it's the 29th where you can take an assessment, learn about what it means to serve God's mission, 
has planned for your life, take an assessment, find out where he might have you uniquely gifted to do a certain thing and find out through that class and step into it. Others of you, keep doing what you're doing now because God has you doing a good work. Stay faithful right where you are. Nehemiah stayed faithful. His job looked pretty mundane, moving rocks and getting people to move rocks and replace them. But when all was said and done, Jerusalem rejoiced and found stability in the Lord. The good work was accomplished. So as we end this series, I don't think we can just end it with amen. I think we have to end this with a call to be obedient. So I want us to pray. And as I pray, I'm going to just challenge you with something here in a minute. But Lord, first, we just want to pause and, and look at the story of Nehemiah. And recognize that you're always faithful to finish the job that you start. You're faithful. But so often people quit. In fact, I think that's why Paul instructed the churches, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't give up. Because there is a harvest. There is a reward for the efforts of our labor. So, Lord, you're always faithful to finish that good work in us, but help us to be faithful. So I pray right now for all of us in this room, God, to hear about a good work that you have planned in advance for us to do, that means that all of us, all of us are accountable. If we're following you, if you are our Lord, then we are accountable to do good in our world. To be that kind of person who will say, yes, Lord, I will do good in your name. So, Father, I just pray right now you'd speak to our hearts to be obedient. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Kelly, I don't know what it is yet. Or maybe you're in the thick of it right now, like I said. Or maybe to others, you're, you feel like you're coming to a close. Can, I just, can we just commit today to the Lord to say, yes, I will be obedient to do the good thing you want me to do. If that's you, just raise a hand and say, yes, that's me. I'm going to be obedient to do the good work I believe he's calling me to do. Father, thank you for these hands that are raising right now. Lord, I pray this would be a moment we mark in history to look back and say, I've committed to you to do the good things you've called for me to do. Keep me on task. For some, maybe they started something, they got distracted. I pray you'd bring them back to it. They would say, yes, Lord, I will be obedient to do that to which you have called because there are people who are watching and you are watching. And I will stand accountable for you someday. So yes, Lord, count on me. I will be faithful. I may not know what it is yet, but I'll be faithful to seek you and to know that you have a good work for me to do. And I don't do it alone because you're working in me and through me and bring it to completion. So thank you for that promise today. And help us to be about your good work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.